0: Hello, Hello friends. friends, and welcome to Mad as a Hatter, a curiosities and conspiracies podcast. So, this is episode six. Oh my gosh. We're getting so close to 10. I'm so excited. I'm so glad that you all have stayed this long. Yes, and thank you for sticking around, even though those first couple of episodes were really long. Yeah, and the first one was a little rough with the sound, but it's fine. It's gotten better. Yes, it's all a learning process. We know how to do this now. (laughs) To think this was born only like a month ago in an Applebee's. Oh, yes. And it was a whim decision. It was. It was totally a whim. This was not a disgust for like months decision. It was a, hey, Paige, we could make a podcast. You know, Darby, we could. We could do that. At dinner. And then we were like, napkin, here's what we need. Here's our name. Okay, we're doing this. Yes, we did An initial brainstorm on an Applebee's napkin and thus Mad as a Hatter was born. While drinking margaritas. Yes. It was the, (laughs) if anybody's familiar, the $1 Jolly Rancher margaritas from Applebee's, which was a godsend. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Applebee's, for your $1 drinks. You have made me survive many a final. It was fantastic. Yes. So thank you for that. And thank you for the birth of our podcast, which was, what, did we... plate of onion rings we shared this over we did you're right (laughs) it was great you heard it from us the official mascot of our podcast is onion rings and applebee's napkins and margaritas yes you can never forget (laughs) margaritas we're not sponsored but you could sponsor us if you wanted applebee's hey applebee's we're willing to accept We would totally do it. And our compensation, can we please include some free onion rings in there? Yes, please. Yes. That's all I need in my life. Uh, That's all anybody needs in their (laughs) life. (laughs) So anyway, so what did you pull out of the hat for me last week? Big brother. Ooh, I'm excited for that. And I do have some pretty interesting information for you guys. I'm going to deviate a little bit from my normal spiel which is like give you some psychology and then like a case study um rather than that i'm just gonna kind of go into the history of big brother darby i was careful not to step on your toes i appreciate that personally i think this should have been a combination episode but yes so our initial musings for those of you who are interested is every what did we decide 10th episode i think Yes. Again, this is amusing. We'd love to hear your feedback on it. We'll at least do it for our 10th episode. Yes. How's that? Is that we, instead of picking out from our hat, we will choose one topic that has both a conspiracy and psychological aspect. Yes. Which there are many, many, many of these. We like to call them just like kind of our white rabbit, where it leads us both down rather than one at a time. Yes. So, we will, every 10th episode, have a White Rabbit episode um, that features both of us. Um, initially, this was supposed to be one of our topics, so you will hear about Big Brother again. Oh, yes. No, it's staying in my hat. Which we- is kind of Big Brotherish in and of itself to come back and always be looming over us. Big Brother will keep coming back because it's a constant conspiracy theory. Let's be real. Yeah, seriously. And he, and I, you will learn here in a second, I more went into the history of where Big Brother came from, rather than how it's prevalent today. He's um, watching. He is watching. He's got. He needs to make sure I don't toe Darby's line. Yeah, I'm watching. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I would be like, "Hmm, this is interesting about Big Brother," she'd shoot a look over me and say, "Stop it." <laughs> so I, I had to stay very close to psychology alone. So, let's get started. Darby, do you know where Big Brother started? 1984. Yes. You are correct. 1984, George Orwell's novel. I read the book. You did? (laughs) Yes, I did. It's on my bookshelf. It's one of those many, many things I want to read. Although after researching, I did have to look into the book. It is thoroughly spoiled for me. It was a school assignment. Ah, that. (laughs) It actually, I don't know. What did you think of it in the end? I liked it, but I like stuff like that. Yes. Um, I've heard mixed reviews, but. I think it's really interesting that a lot of that stuff actually happened. Mm -hmm. Hey, 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 now you're stepping on my toes (laughs) with the history. Oh, well, (laughs) okay. I know. (laughs) Sorry for those of you who didn't read 1984 in high school because I thought that was normal. It was. (laughs) I, I know the other English classes read it. I did not, and I was really sad about it and it has sat on my bookshelf forever, (laughs) meaning to be read on my dystopian shelf. Yes, I have a whole shelf dedicated to horror, serial killers, and dystopian novels. It's actually grown beyond the shelf and is moving on to two or three more shelves. Some of them are in my house. (laughs) Yes, I am actually looking at the Encyclopedia of Serial Killers right now, which if you do not own, I highly recommend. It is very interesting and it sticks to the facts and I like it a lot and it also gives you really fun looks when you're sitting on the poolside reading it i bet it does it does i'd imagine so <laughs> so i am going to talk a little bit about the novel because it does relate um to my story and to the psychology behind everything so if you have not read the book don't worry don't skip this part i am not spoiling the ending a I spoiler per- alert no spoiler alert. I was nice, unlike Darby. I didn't talk about the ending. I talked about... You talked about a ending. Okay, well, you know what? <laughs> Debatable. For those of you who have not, who are jumping around or have not caught up, that was the Bandersnatch. So thankfully, oh, only yes. one was ruined for us. Well, it was a mids credit scene. True. <laughs> <laughs> um, It's fine. I spoil stuff. I'm sorry yes I it's something you learn as her friend that makes you want to not be I'm just kidding wait till Avengers Endgame comes out I'm sorry I'm pre warning I will spoil it once I see it that's fine because I'm probably not gonna watch it so I'll just learn through Darby what I'm you know I'm not an Avengers fan okay so part of my obsession with conspiracy theories is I love movie theories too okay I will talk all day long about the Disney Pixar theory all day long. What about Marvel theories? I love Marvel. I do. Okay. I feel like I. Everyone's like, I'm only gonna listen to Darby's <laughs> episodes now. I don't like Paige anymore. She doesn't like Marvel. I love Marvel. For I love. Effect. I'm on these episodes. So. Yes. <laughs> They're like, I don't care. I just don't want to listen to Paige. <laughs> I'm gonna skip all her parts. <laughs> No, I love Marvel. I love comic books. I love everything superheroes and villains, especially villains. Psychology, I'm sorry. I love my villains. Um, But the Avengers series, the movies, I don't – they just lost my interest. I did watch the latest one. Which one? Infinity Wars. That's not the latest one, but okay. Which one's the latest one? As of right now? Well, the one that features the Avengers, not just one person. Okay, but two – catch up you got to watch all of them and i'm pretty sure as of right now it's a man the wasp i did watch that okay i like the standalones let me clarify so when it's the entire avengers movie i'm not a huge fan i don't know why but when it's the standalones in love so okay well you watch infinity wars so that makes sense I was yes. gonna ask how you understood the ending if you didn't watch Infinity War. <laughs> <laughs> I did actually watch Infinity Wars after Ant Man and Wasp, and okay, it was so very confusing. How was that ending? <laughs> how was that ending for you? I need to know. I was, I was like, why are they just dissolving into dust? What's going on? I'm so uh, Spoiler alert! <laughs> no. everything—it's been spoiled already for everybody. Let's I know. Be real. <laughs> I, and I'm just like, what's going on? Who's this purple guy? I don't know what's going on. His chin looks serrated. I don't like it. Yeah, I, for those of you questioning, Thanos was not in the end of he it. Was <laughs> he was not in it. He was in the end of one of the like very first. <laughs> he was in the end of a lot of the very first ones. Yes, yes. So I do. I love the standalones. <laughs> I never made it through Civil War, and Darby holds it against me to this day. I do. <laughs> I just rewatched that for like the fifth time, actually, two days ago with my boyfriend. Oh, really? We're redoing the entire Marvels series to get ready for Endgame. Okay I have to ask in which order do you watch it? Do you watch it in chronologically yes. per the Marvel Universe or per when it was released? Marvel Universe. Marvel Universe. I mean of course when I first watched them it was per release but now rewatching, it's Marvel Universe. Okay because I'm somebody when I first watched Star Wars I watched the prequels first. Which I know a lot of people are like, you cannot do. You have to watch it as it came out in the movie theaters. But other people are like, well, you got to watch the prequels first. And another thing Darby holds against me, I'm a prequels fan. Personally, for Star Wars, you can skip the first Star Wars episode one. After that, go ahead and watch an order. <laughs> Love me some prequels. But I don't think you ever need to watch episode one. Why other are you than so Darth Maul. Darth Maul is fantastic. The rest, mm Yeah. Have you heard Jar Jar Banks? Oh, yes. (laughs) I now remember. I'm a Trekkie. I'm sorry, everyone. I am. Live long and prosper. I love me some Trekkie. Not a huge Star Wars fan. I actually only watched Star Wars for the first time like three years ago. Darby's glaring at me. For the record, that's when I was working in Star Wars stores. See, it was this psychic connection. We weren't friends yet, but somehow you sent me Star Wars vibes. (laughs) And it was also because the new Star Wars movies were being released, and I knew I had to know what the heck was going on. (laughs) But yes, so back to Avengers. I do love it, and Black Panther is my absolute favorite. I, I actually watched his shows and read his comic books before, he came out with the new Avengers movies, but how they did it in the movie—fantastic! So, how do you like Black Panther? And haven't seen Civil War all the way through. I—he's the one thing that would get me through it. He's the one thing that would get me through. You're it. just adding to this list. If I don't understand, I know. I just, uh, I think it's because I'm so sorry, everyone, and especially my best friend Lauren. If you're listening to this right now, I'm so sorry. I. I'm not a Captain America fan. Oh, I'm Team Iron Man. But you know what? And every time he's in a lead and he's arguing with Tony, I can't deal with it. But no, I love the Avengers. I love Marvel. I love Stan Lee and everything he has created. And I just, but I'm sorry, guys. So feel free, Darby. Spoil it away. Go right ahead. I will see it when it comes out on Redbox. (laughs) Or I'm going to kidnap her and take her to the theater. Probably. Also kidnap her and take her to see Captain Marvel. I feel, I okay, feel like Captain I Marvel. I am so down for Captain Marvel. That is saved on my Google <laughs> calendar. I have it ready to go. I am so down. So yes. Okay. And mainly because I want another Doctor Strange. I'm a so, weirdo. I like Doctor Strange. Captain Marvel isn't in Cap Doctor Strange. No, I just like the similarities. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just I, don't I know. like that Doctor. Strange, whole, too. Yeah. But so we're gonna go see Captain Marvel, then we're gonna go see Endgame. Mm. Okay. But I'm dragging you to Fantastic Beasts. I'm still upset that I haven't seen that yet. The second one. I haven't seen it yet. And it's not for lack of trying. Nobody would go with me because you were busy every time I was free to see it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so social and you're lame. I'm just kidding. And my boyfriend doesn't like the Fantastic Beast movies. So. Which is a big beef I have with him. Alec, if you're listening to this, I'm not going to apologize for it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, so Darby is all Disney all the time i am all harry potter (laughs) i am obsessed with harry potter any of you email me i will play you against you in some harry potter trivia let's do it i'm down for it mad hatter podcast at gmail.com let's do it send me an invite either way i am obsessed so if it has anything to do with harry potter i'm there so darby i'll let you drag me to endgame if you let me drag you to both fantastic beasts yes except I will not be being dragged I'll be voluntarily going true <laughs> but just let me have this moment <laughs> I neither <gasps> no I'll drag you to Mary Poppins Okay, yeah that's a drag ugh. I love Disney but I just I feel like Mary Poppins is not as magical ugh <sighs> she's the epitome of magic she has a magic bag and a magic measuring tape and a magic umbrella she is magic just a spoonful of sugar yes go down. she gave you some good life advice and some good fun times i'm more of a nightmare for christmas alice in wonderland Every Hot Topic fan ever Maleficent. Which I say as somebody who totally loves Hot Topic Lion King, as you heard about in the last episode <laughs> Yes, so throughout this podcast, and I'm so sorry We are now at so many, uh, 14 minutes in of pure movie talk I'm so sorry So we've sorry. derailed Some of this might but, be cut yes. out, I'm taking it We have not derailed, we have gone <laughs> flying off the tracks we went, The train is on fire Wait for it, we went down the rabbit hole Ah. <laughs> You used our tagline. (laughs) That was meta. (laughs) No. So I'm sorry. The train is on fire. Everything is on fire. I am so sorry. How did we get from Big Brother to this? Um, Spoilers. We talked about spoilers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So spoiler alert. If you want to just go ahead and jump forward jump forward they're already forward <laughs> yeah don't jump forward now we're actually beginning <laughs> oh my gosh okay what is even my topic right now i'm so lost
1: Talk big about brother <laughs>
0: yes so last episode we were pretty serious this episode we are going to have a little bit more fun but near as the, you can tell yes <laughs> 15 minutes in of just us being ridiculous um, this one we're going to have a little bit more fun near the end I am going to get a little bit more serious have a couple disclaimers but I promise you guys we will stick back to our comedy and I'm pretty sure we last couple days ago we pulled out a Megalodon for Darby for next week I'm psyched and I already Sunday. Have so many jokes <laughs> lined up, and I don't even really know about Megalodon, so let's do this. I'm already ready. All right. <laughs> so Big Brother. As we discussed, Big Brother originated from George Orwell's novel in 1984. So mm-hmm. if you don't know this book, this was actually written in 1949, so this is set in the future for George Orwell, mm-hmm. um, and it was his picture of what he thought... Society would be if we mm-hmm. continued down some of our paths that we were in his history, and I'll talk about the history that surrounded mm-hmm. him writing this book. But anyway, so Q main character Winston. Do you know who Winston? Was? Winston. <laughs> did you know who he's named after? No, I did. I do not. Winston Churchill. Ah. Yes. Supposedly, there's a lot of talks and conversation that Winston Smith, which is the character's name is named after Winston. Mm. So like during World War Two and all that, it was this mm-hmm. really great character, um, from England. And then Smith gave him a common name so that everybody could really view him as this good common person that they could relate with. So they could see themselves as Winston throughout the book. I'm sorry, I'm Do you watch New Girl? Yes. Okay, all I'm thinking of is Winston. <laughs> <laughs> I did not put two and two together. That was all I'm thinking <laughs> I did not put those two together, but now I can only think of Winston. <laughs> so enter Winston, the totally relatable character who works for the Ministry of Truth. I could not stop thinking of Ministry of Magic. I literally thought you were about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Page wrong book, wrong I know, I was like, Ministry of Magic, yay. This is Harry Potter, actually. I found a way to talk about it, which you should totally do with the Harry Potter conspiracies. I'm pretty sure that's in my hat good <laughs> if it's not in my hat it's on my list of things that needs to go in my hat I know I'm really sad <laughs> I have a book on Harry Potter and the philosophy behind it I know I have JK Rowling in my hat yes you do Ooh. if anybody's if that's piqued anybody's interest stay tuned <laughs> um so anyway let me explain this book you're the one that would derail this time I I can't with <laughs> Harry Potter I just I, <laughs> it's too late <laughs> so Winston works for the Ministry of Truth in a place called Oceana yes Oceana no Oceana Um, (laughs) sorry it was the first time I read that out loud so let me describe this paradise to you that is Oceana so this is the ultimate utopia for those of you who are instantly jumping to correct me I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Don't worry. Don't worry. So in this mind, it's supposed to be the ultimate utopia in a world ravaged by constant war. This was supposed to be a place of unity, of strength, of greatness. Mm -hmm. But it was anything but that. Mm. So a really big part of Orwell was that he was trying to give, give society with his book a warning about the price of a utopia. So he's showing you, here's a utopia, but what does it take Mm -hmm. to get to this utopia? Mm -hmm. So there are four ministries that are in charge of this place. There's the Ministry of Truth, the Ministry of Peace, the Ministry of Love, and the Ministry of Plenty. Mm, Sounds relaxing. Kind of sounds creepy, but okay. True. (laughs) (laughs) But this these ministries would actually star on an episode of Sesame Streets featuring opposites. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes. So, as Elmo would start to talk to you guys about, these are... These ministries are anything but what their name is. They are complete opposites. So the Ministry of Truth, which is where Winston actually works, they're in charge of writing propaganda. Ministries of lies. Exactly. (laughs) They change history, and they write down things, they take reports from other sectors of the government and change the numbers and the information. Um, It's just a bunch of propaganda and lies and changing and censoring history. The Ministry of Peace is their army. They manage the war during this constant wartime. But through an army, you can get peace once you win the war. There are other ways to achieve peace, but yes, that is one way. trying to throw a bone here I know. <laughs> <laughs> the Ministry of love so like this is like the Ministry of hate <laughs> ish <laughs> um this is kind of like kind of like the headquarters like the main center for everything but it's also the site of torture yeah. so there's the famous room 101 and you will if you read the ending you'll learn about it I'm not gonna tell too much about how it plays a role but it features in torture, psychological warfare, and brainwashing, which is another topic of my ultra. Head. Yes. <laughs> Basically, Should did two three epi- two episodes ago. I think so. I
1: don't yes. remember what number. Mm. Anyway.
0: <laughs> and the Ministry of Plenty, so they were in charge of rationing supplies and food, and they did not do it so well in fact that many people were starving. There's all of this is led by Big Brother and there's a all throughout the Oceania, there's these posters all over the place big bold colored and it has a face of Big Brother the leader of the company or the, or the government there that says Big Brother is watching so that's where we get our famous phrases sorry Big Brother is watching you and if you actually google it and I will show you here on my computer And I will post this because it is super fun. Who does that look like? Hitler. Yes. (laughs) We'll get back to that With a brand new hairdo. Yeah, he's looking sleek. (laughs) So it is this stern, ominous face staring at you saying, Big Brother is watching you. And this is all over the town. And not only that, not only do you have these posters reminding you, they are actually physically watching you. (laughs) So all throughout town, all throughout the entire place, everywhere, home, work, bathrooms, your cubicles, your cafeterias, there are two-way telescreens. And these are basically televisions that broadcast propaganda 24-7, but as you're watching it, they're watching you. So the government and the, I'm so sorry, the thought police... That's what their name is. Watch the telescreens to make sure nobody is following any of the rules, is breaking any of the rules. Nobody can follow them. No. No (laughs) following them. You must all descend into chaos. So here you have love is banned. You have a mandatory two minutes of hate every single day where you have to watch a video of your enemies and profess your hate for them i can't get over how happy you look while you're saying this i love dystopian novels and i as soon as i get home tonight i'm gonna pick up this book i am so excited even though it is completely spoiled for me i love dystopians they're my absolute favorite favorite those are what i read either that or apocalypse i'm so sorry for everyone who now thinks oh my god she's so I told you at the beginning of this podcast that you were going to be a serial killer. Nobody believed me. I'm a-going down <laughs> that rabbit hole. No, I do First not have murderous intent. I said that. <laughs> I also said we would be featured on this podcast. It looks like I'm headed there first. (laughs) (laughs) Do me well, Darby. Do me well. (laughs) Oh, I will. (laughs) So this, that's really most of it. Just a quick synopsis of the plot. Um, Winston, he works for the Ministry of Truth, but he starts a diary, which is actually punishable by death, um, detailing his thoughts about how he doesn't really, his disagreements with the government. Um, He falls in love with this girl named Julia, which is also not allowed. Um, And then they eventually join the Brotherhood, which is an underground um, association that wants to bring down the party of Big Brother, led by Emmanuel Goldstein. So, I'm not going to spoil the ending for you. Lots of plot twists, lots of interesting things, a lot of psychology in the end, but... That's not the rabbit hole we're going down today. (laughs) Um, So why did Orwell write this? What would give him... So um, about... Sorry, 35 years. He's writing this book set 35 years in the future. Why would he write such a dystopian society for us? Why did he write this? So the world that Orwell was living in at the time the real world not the book Mm -hmm. um it would it mirrored Oceana almost identically so he wrote this after World War II and he was saying like hey if we keep going like this this is what we're looking at and it don't look so hot yes (laughs) accurate yeah so he um grew up in a time where Spain Germany and the Soviet Union were all tyrannies at that time it was he led he made big brother very similar to hitler and stalin's leadership not only did he very much stalin like yes (laughs) so the picture of if you just google big brother poster um he actually modeled the person to look both like stalin and hitler um because they were both leaders who they uh eradicated anybody who did not uphold their values or what their government was trying to press. They had complete control over everything, and they devalued all human ideals. Well, and they had the secret army. They did. That, that would walk, walk the streets, streets and, and just take you away if you betrayed them. them. They would, and they were monitoring. Yeah. And part of Oceana is if you did break a law, it was either death or a forced labor camp. Yeah. Sound familiar? Like, it's very Stalin-like. Sorry, it's more Stalin Stalin than Hitler, because Hitler didn't have the secret army, but everything else he had. (laughs) He had his own... They weren't so secret. They They weren't secret. They were very in your face. They they were very there. (laughs) (laughs) Stalin was, like, undercover Mm -hmm. people. And he actually also um, mirrored the media with, like, the 24-7 propaganda that was played by the telescreens. mm -hmm. Orwell actually worked with BBC during World War II, and during his time there, they actually were operating under a lot of censorship and what they could and could not post and publish and that he actually had to lie and fabricate a lot of things just like Winston yeah, did with the Ministry of Truth. Um and then also he created the Thought Police in the novel, which were as you said, the secret military those that they would Get rid of any thoughts unapproved by the party. So yep. you weren't even allowed to think separately. You had to be in complete and utter faith to the government. So, mm-hmm. sorry, I'm now I'm thinking of um, *Handmaid's Tale*. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Orwell did. Um, Orwell is actually viewed as um, one of the founders of dystopian novels. Um, Especially the view of a utopia that is secretly a dystopian. Mm. He kind of led the way into that genre. Um, So that was something interesting that I learned. Especially as being a big fan of uh, dystopian novels. So Orwell grew up in these times. And he was surrounded by it. And he saw everything that was going on. And he was very political. And this was meant to be a very political book. And so the famous... So... From this book, the most famous thing, arguably, is the Big Brother. The concept of it, and not only the poster and the quote. So, it's all over the town, um, and then another big piece about it was is that it was never confirmed if the picture on the poster was actually the leader or not. Ah. Yes, so it was like this anonymous, you don't really know if it's the leader or not, you don't really know who's in charge, that's a big leading thing that a lot of people still debate is what who's this person in charge i need to know who they are yeah so according to anthony Burgess, um george orwell actually got this concept from this company called bennett they were advertising education and correspondence courses to students so back in orwell's time during world war ii um so originally the ceo of bennett which was named bennett (laughs) um he was this kind old man he had a really gentle face and he was saying the slogan was let me be your father so like let me lead you through education let me be your father and it was just like a really cute billboard it was kind of like uh i don't know who's the oatmeal guy (laughs) the quaker oats like it was just like this nice figure like somebody who looked sweet and kind and like he had wisdom and advice but then he died and his son took over the company. And so the son's face replaced his father's and his son was a lot more stern looking and he did not look very friendly and he changed the quote to, let me be your big brother. So that is where they think originally the big brother came from, is from this billboard of this stern, mean looking son saying, let me be your big brother uh i'm not gonna touch that one (laughs) (laughs) i mean i thought you would have touched at least the let me be your father luke (laughs) i am your father he didn't say let me be 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 your father i (laughs) know maybe maybe if the fight hadn't continued and luke hadn't rudely yelled no maybe he would have said let me now be your father (laughs) I'm sorry, I've been absent for so I'm long. I'm sorry. How many Star Wars movies did you say you watched? All of them, I know. Nobody likes Anakin after he turns. <laughs> oh, excuse But Darth Vader turned good at the end. That's what I was getting at. No, he didn't. <gasps> I never saw the last one. Oh my God, I completely forgot. I never saw the last one. I feel like that's a big puzzle piece that I missed. <laughs> <laughs> yes That explains why I was like I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> Well I like my ending better He just wanted to reunite with his son Well he, well, wait, did. he, did. he did Oh <laughs> I need to watch this He jumped in front of the Emperor I and I saved Luke's watched... life he... Don't spoil it Now that I know I haven't seen it, Darby, to everybody else who hasn't seen it, which I'm sure there's only like two of us in the world. You know what? It's been out since the 70s. If you haven't seen it, that's not my fault. (laughs) I'm really good at dodging spoilers. (laughs) Oh my God. I never knew he turned good. (laughs) We just lost so many followers. You did. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. They'll only be listening on Sundays. Please don't skip my episodes. (laughs) I'm still part of them. You can skip Darby's parts. (laughs) Oh my god, the train. The the train train is going I'm sorry. One more thing. I don't understand how you haven't seen Star Wars when your headphones are literally (laughs) R2-D2. These were a present. (laughs) I just... (laughs) I also have an R2-D2 mug (laughs) (laughs) yes I do have R2-D2 headphones and I have a Star Wars mug and an R2-D2 I have many things that are R2-D2 because how can you be mad at R2-D2 he's the best anyway what does Big Brother have to do with psychology I know you're probably asking Paige why are you doing this and not Darby I do have a reason (laughs) And I will do a little bit of a disclaimer. Um, one of the things that most relates to Big Brother is paranoid schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And normally when I talk about um, a psych- um, psychology or, like, a mental illness, I'll kind of do a case study with this. My personal thing is I do not – I want to emphasize that there are a lot of mistakes conceptions with paranoid schizophrenia especially with how it's portrayed in the media and I don't want to contribute to that so I will be a little bit more serious a little less joking um and I will want to I don't have a case study for us today I do have a couple people with it um so if you're so I am sorry that I that I'm not I'm actually not sorry that I'm (laughs) not going too much into detail but I do want to try to avoid I want to stick to facts and I don't want to go into misconceptions. Okay. So, Big Brother. It started this... It it actually gave a name and a face. George Orwell gave a name and a face to the concepts and ideas of an overbearing government. The fear of the unknown of what they're doing, why they're doing it. And the feeling of just total powerlessness and helplessness. And he created this character who was relatable, he was a common man, just doing his job, but he had the strength to stand up. So, um, this was a way for him to say, to, he gave a name to this idea, to this this thought process that I am not in control, I'm afraid that I'm not in control, I'm afraid of who is in control, and I fear for my life. And that is a sensation felt a lot with paranoid schizophrenia. Um, So paranoid schizophrenia is the most common branch of schizophrenia, um, which if you don't know exactly the definition of schizophrenia, it is a condition that affects your ability of... I'm forgetting to breathe. (laughs) If you're not familiar with schizophrenia, it is a condition that affects your ability um, to think, behave, and feel. Um, it kind of alters how you, um, how you perceive things. This actually affects 1.1% of the population. Um, and while that may seem like a low number, if you take that in total consideration, that's a lot of people who are affected by this. Mm-hmm. And it's in a way, it's kind of, a, it's a disconnect from reality. You are seeing things, thinking things, feeling things that do not have a basis in reality. Mm-hmm. So something I learned kind of a little bit is that there are many different types of schizophrenia beyond just paranoid. So there is paranoid. There's disorganized schizophrenia. So that's like disrupted speech and behavior. They can have a flat effect where it's just flat emotionless, no no responses or they can have an inappropriate effect. So laughing at a funeral or somebody telling you a joke and you start crying. So like an inappropriate response to a stimulus. So it's it's kind of like your brain is jumbled up and things aren't connecting the way that they should. There's also catatonic schizophrenia which is motor responses mostly. So like the person can be either rigid And catatonic, not moving, not doing anything, and then jump between that state and like a hyperactive, lots of energy, lots of activity, constant movement. Mm -hmm. There's undifferentiated, which means they show symptoms, but they don't, they don't really fit into one category. Which, that one's probably the most common known. Yes. And actually one that most people don't realize is one, and it's the last one that I have for us, is residual so, uh, there are people, um, who have schizophrenia, but they have a schizophrenic episode. It's just one moment in time. It can be stress-induced. It can be, um, an, a gene, um, activating in your system. It could be multiple different stim, um, stimuli, but what happens is that it's just a one brief episode that you have of a schizophrenic outbreak, and then you recover from it. Whether that's through medication, um, therapy, or you've just, or it's gone away, which can happen, Um, but residual means that you still do have some leftover symptoms of it, just not, like, the hallucinations and the grandiose symptoms. Yeah. So, fun little information. Um, So, the history of it. So, this actually dates back to the early 19th century. Um, Emil Emil Craplin in 1883... Um, listed it as dementia praecox. So this was like, a. Pr- they thought it was like a premature deterioration of the brain. I mean, I can kind of see that, though, if you don't have enough studies and stuff, and you just... Yeah, yeah it manifests itself, itself in it is they're very... disconnecting from reality, they don't know what's going on. Very similar on in- from the outside. Yeah. The motor controls acting up, there are a lot of ways that it is understandable, and it's actually not too far off. They just thought it was untreatable, when it very much so is. Yeah. Oh, maybe back then though it wasn't. Oh, oh yeah, back, back then, no. <laughs> science was not there yet. <laughs> no. So um, Eugene Bleuler coined schizophrenia, the term uh, eventually, and which literally means split mind. So you're split between reality and non-reality. Um, in So something that I didn't know, and I feel bad not knowing this because I just did a Hitler episode. <laughs> But in World War II, the Nazi party actually tried to eradicate schizophrenia. I believe it. Yeah, that was like, so not just the Jewish people, and they did have a campaign against mental illness, but they specifically had one against schizophrenia. Um, And with part of that, so their solution, as the Nazis do, was to view it as it either they needed to be forcibly sterilized or killed. Um, As they viewed everything yes so in this time of their campaign of against schizophrenia 220,000 patients and 200 between 220,000 patients and 269,500 were either forcibly sterilized or killed um this total so and then i was like wow that's a big number like that's a ton of people who were forced against their will either they were in asylums or patients or they were just in their homes and there was talks that they might have schizophrenia um and they were forcibly sterilized and this is world war ii those methods aren't always they aren't what they are today (laughs) or they were murdered (laughs) and i am laughing but it's not funny (laughs) they probably ended up being murdered from all that other stuff too pretty much um but something I found really shocking with that. So those numbers actually represents between 73 to 100% of all individuals with schizophrenia living in Germany between 1939 and 1945. Perfect. Yeah. So they killed either 73% or 100%. So actually, after World War Two and... I think up until present day, Germany does have a very low rate of schizophrenia, mostly because schizophrenia is genetic. That is one aspect, yes, that is one aspect that a way and a condition that you can um, have schizophrenia is through genes. And so by eliminating the gene pool up to 100% possibly, that really narrows down the waters. Yep. Yes. So, that also doesn't follow for cases that are not gene-induced. Um, so, that was something I was really shocked by and I had no idea. So, speaking specifically about paranoid schizophrenia. So, this shows up at different ages and times. There's no real set time. It does. It is known that men usually start earlier than women. Um, and so, the main core piece of paranoid schizophrenia is delusions and hallucinations organized around a central theme. So with disorganized schizophrenia, you can also have delusions and hallucinations, but they don't have a central theme. So like your theme could be big brother. I but these all of these themes are usually persecution or grandeur like there's somebody of importance, but mostly it is um people with paranoid schizophrenia do believe there's a threat against their lives they believe they are there are people coming after them that they and their loved ones are in danger um and that's scary that's scary to live in especially if everyone around you is telling you that's not true and that's not real and everyone calls you crazy like but then you in your heart and soul believe i am in danger my loved ones are in danger yeah I can trust no one. I can trust nothing. This coffee cup might have a bug in it. I don't know. Like that's terrifying. Yeah. Um, so that is the key part of paranoid schizophrenia is that they do believe that. And a lot of people questioned whether George Orwell did have paranoid schizophrenia. There's no real evidence to show it. So I'm not going to cite that as a theory or even a suggestion um just like an idea that some people did believe that um but a lot of people think that he did give a name and to this feeling that a lot of people feel but then with people with paranoid schizophrenia and other things they pick up on that theme yeah. that is there that is grounded in reality but they take it to new heights mm-hmm. so they may view these threats that everybody feels in data life so like big brother like there's a lot of psychology behind it and that people feel like they're terrified because of current political climates something a lot of us know today <laughs> i'm not going to yes. get too much into detailed poli- politics but there are it is known as a fact right now this is a scary political climate mm-hmm. for a lot of individuals and i'm not going to dispute that and if you don't agree with me i'm sorry um This is a scary political climate, Um, technology is very, very advanced and it's hard to understand as a common person if you don't know technology. I was fighting with his microphones earlier. (laughs) So technology is very advanced and we have no idea its limits and capabilities and George Orwell came up with these telescreens way before those things like FaceTime and two-way viewing was actually a thing. So for somebody to see this theory of oh the government can watch us through two way screens and then to have a MacBook computer with a camera. camera pointed at me right now, that can those those ideas that were sh- that were brought up in Big Brother are very much so grounded in reality and but at times can be viewed in even worse ways with paranoid schizophrenia. Um, and then there's also, that is the delusion that the government is too powerful, too controlling. It's watching you. Um, which, I mean, me wholly, I don't, I hit the terms and agreements without reading it. So I have no idea what I've agreed to. I'm somebody who kind of personally, I don't completely subscribe to Big Brother. But I definitely think that there is a lot of information monitoring today. We have the technology for it. I'm not going to say that it's not our thing. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not, that's for another episode. Yes. <laughs> um, so, and then there's other aspects of our society that lead to these delusions and real feelings for everyday people. Um, there's the use of fear tactics, which they did in George Orwell's Big Brother and what Big Brother does. Fear tactics are scary because they are successful. Mm-hmm. Fear is one of the most powerful manipulators. Mm-hmm. Any psychology textbook will tell you that. They can use your fear of loved ones, your fear of of being harmed. They can use your fear of me personally. I just watched King Kong for the first time and I'm terrified of monkeys. (laughs) And that was an ordeal to get through. (laughs) But I did cry for King Kong in the end because that's a really sad movie. So, and I felt so bad for him. But, so fear is very powerful emotion. And then there's the fear of the unknown. And then also conspiracy theories. There's a lot of documentation out on conspiracy theories and it's hard not to buy into those. Especially if you're in a mind that's struggling to decode reality from non-reality. So it can be... So there are a lot of ways that it can slip into these themes. So going back to paranoid schizophrenia, I'm going to wrap it up here. But... So it is difficult to differentiate, but this does not. So kind of some misconceptions this does not mean multiple personalities. That's, that's a completely that's yes completely different um, and it most um, patient you can have both. You can have multiple personalities disorder and schizophrenia. I haven't read much about it being a thing but I mean as always it's always a possibility. Um, but this does not mean that um, and also something that I really want to point out and the reason why I did not do a case study this time, is because most patients um, do not have a violent temperament. They are not violent. But, so their delusions and their fear for their life and these, um, this fear of persecution that they have can make them feel threatened. Well, it's fight or flight. Exactly. I mean, that's human nature. Mm-hmm. Any, an, like if you back an animal into a corner they're either going to try to run away or they're going to fight whatever obstacle's in their way. Yeah. So a common issue and something that I find frustrating myself is that media commonly portrays them as violent. If you watch like Law and Order or something like that, you will see a lot of paranoid schizophrenics viewed as the criminal. Oh, man. I just can't breathe today. I'm trying to wonder if you do have mold in your face. Every time I'm down here, I can't breathe. I have my inhaler, don't worry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's something that is an issue, especially with the stigma against mental illness. Um, that with paranoid schizophrenia, they are solely portrayed as violent. And that's not true. Um, there's lots of ways to treat it medication, cognitive behavioral therapy, that which can handle symptoms not relieved by medication. Um, and there's a lot of people who have it that it's manageable, it's, they're not violent people, Yeah. um, but there are violent people with paranoid schizophrenia, uh, which does give it as connotation. One of the most famous is David Berkowitz. Mm-hmm. Yes, the son of Sam. So, um, David Berkowitz had paranoid schizophrenia, and his main hallucination and delusion that led him to kill all the people was that he believed the neighbor's dog told him to do it. Mm-hmm. So not even his own dog, his neighbor's dog. Mm-hmm. So the dog was whispering to him and talking to him and a lot of people are like, oh, well, that's just a thought. If This is an intrusive thought in your head 24 seven and then you see it physically with your eyes and hear it with your ears. That's, I mean, honestly, it's hard to debate. Let me go get Peanut. I'm sure she'll tell you that. Yes. Peanut yes. will whisper to me. Your dog doesn't talk to you? Mm, no. Oh. Hmm. We have long chats into the night. She actually told me something about you. Now I understand why you get excited when she comes near you. She's your friend. The basketball is getting quiet. Um. Another famous person with paranoid schizophrenia was actually my last podcast podcast episode. Ron, uh, Ronald Reagan's attempted assassination by John Hinckley Jr. He had paranoid schizophrenia and the, the delusions. Um, we touched upon his erotomania, but he was also a paranoid schizophrenic. So, but I do not want to end this piece on... on Focusing on negative aspects of paranoid schizophrenia. I do want to talk that there are a lot of famous people and a lot of regular individuals who have paranoid schizophrenia and are not violent. So I have a short list here for you. Um, Lionel Aldbridge. You know who that is? No. 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 (laughs) Lionel Aldbridge is a famous football player. Played for the NFL. That's why I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm a football fan. Not everybody is, but he is a famous football player. What team? Um I believe Green Bay Packers. Oh, my sister would be so mad at me. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yes. So he was the Green Bay Packers. And then another person, uh Sid Barrett. He is the founder of Pink Floyd oh yeah and a member of the band i was like just founder no and a member of the band (laughs) so sid barrett lionel aldridge um charles bud bolden he was the founder of jazz um it was actually j-a-s-s originally i didn't know that Hmm. um his style um and if that's not correct that's just the source that i had but i thought that was super interesting um darrell hammond um Which is a comedian. He's actually was on SNL and one of the longest running members on SNL. Awesome. And I've seen a couple of his sketches and they are hilarious. Um, Veronica Lake. Going back, she was a film noir black Mm. and white actress. Um, Absolutely stunning. So this is the one that I was typing up this list when, when I was next to you and I gasped really loud and I refused to tell you who it was. Yes. Abraham Lincoln's wife. Not surprised. Not surprised? Not surprised. I was surprised. <laughs> Why were you not surprised? <laughs> I mean, have you read anything about her specific? No. I mean, I know she like watched her husband get shot in the head. And, well, I mean. Which I know is not a precursor to paranoid schizophrenia, but. No, but she just had a lot of like ideas that she'd go back and forth on all the time. Hmm. That that would apply. So, yeah. Oh. Well, I hear I was shocked. I had no idea. I didn't think honest Abe's wife. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know until you said it. I'm just saying like, I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, and then finally, and there's a long list. I just wanted to hit some key points, but one of the most famous people um known for possibly having paranoid schizophrenia, Vincent Fangal. Yes. <laughs> yes. Although I forgot or, about that. Our art teacher. <laughs> We do have an art class, and she did just tell us that he is Vincent van Gogh. I'm trying to pronounce this right. Gogh. 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 I'm so sorry to headphone users. But it, he's Dutch, so apparently it, we had to pronounce it that way. Yes. And my boyfriend has a lot of Dutch heritage, so I really want to do it justice, and I'm so sorry if I'm doing it wrong. I'm trying my hardest. So Vincent van Gogh is the famous painter, Starry Night, um, The Bedroom uh sunflowers he and cut a his vase. Ear off, right yes that's him yes yes <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> probably why <laughs> um but yes um and actually Vincent van Gogh I act- I'm just going to go back to go I'm so sorry um he he actually has a very interesting background and a very sad background and is probably going to be featured later on this podcast But that is actually all I have for you. I'm sorry it's not too much on Big Brother. It is definitely more suited for conspiracies. But I did want to talk about how it does still have a preference. Sorry. Still persists in society. It is not just a topic in a book. And it is not just a topic in in a conspiracy theory. It is something that people feel not just paranoid schizophrenia. Everybody does at some point feel some of these emotions that are brought up with Big Brother. Yes, the fear, the unknown, the um, the lack of control. It is very much so a psychological thing that is very prevalent in our society. Yes, yes. So, Darby, where can our our listeners find us? You can follow us. Oh, listen to us. Either I Sorry. (laughs) Where can you find us slash listen to us? Okay, So you can find us. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Mad as a Hatter. And you can listen to us on Google Play, iTunes, and Spotify, Mad as a Hatter. Yes. And if there's something you want to hear about, by all means, send us recommendations and suggestions. We're always looking for new hat topics. Um, And you can send those to MadHatterPodcast at gmail.com. We are constantly moder- monitoring that and we are always eager and open for more suggestions. Speaking of hat topics, let's see what Paige is gonna do next week. Shakey, shaky shake. So much rattling. bystander effect bystander effect yes. I'm sorry if those of you are not also thrilled with me I actually already have the case study ready for that one and it is a doozy um, yep and I am super excited it is the name of it is written on there but I'm not going to say it and thank you Darby for not saying it because I'm really <laughs> glad you kept that a surprise um, this is an issue I personally um, have dealt with not as me as a bystander but (laughs) (laughs) it is something that I have personally um dealt with and something that I actually when I continued with psychology wanted to use as my thesis so it's something I'm very into and I'm super excited to talk about it I'm excited to hear about it yes so follow me and I will lead you down that rabbit hole next Wednesday